This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. I want to start off by asking you, a, uh, y'all know I like asking questions, right? I mean, how many times do I say, like, ask you a question, ask you a question? Well, I, I do want to ask you a question. Imagine a little kid walks up to you and asks you a question. How many of you know kids sometimes can ask questions that have you make, have you stop and think like, wow, that was deep. You know, and you as the adult, you're supposed to know everything. And so then when you stop, and I, I, it's just kind of difficult, isn't it? So imagine a little kid <clears throat> walks up to you. Maybe they're about four years old and they walk up to you and say, Mister, who is God? And you have to answer. Can you imagine a kid? That, that could be a question a kid asks, isn't it? Who is God? Now, how many of us, if we were to be asked that question, like we should just know the answer, right? But how many of us, it would take us back and like, oh, well, you know what I'm saying? So let me ask you, who is God? Creator, the Holy Trinity, God is love. That's a good answer. Okay, now what if the what if the child, when you give them those answers, they say, "Well, what does that mean?" Man, how many of us have used that one? <laughs> Amen. Oh gosh, you're a mom. But you know, kids can dig, and it's like, well, what's that mean? Or, y'all just said it. Why? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a deep one, isn't it? Right? I mean, then what if they followed, what if they asked you a second question? And they asked you something like this. Okay, but what does God do? What does He do? And then you as the adult, you kind of stumble a bit. And then you answer something like, well, uh, I mean, he, he, 
cre- he created everything and uh you know got the the start of genesis 1 and or 1 through 3 and he started everything and he you know spun the the, the world and the universe into existence and you know all, all that sort of thing and then the kid asks another question so okay but what's he doing now like is he just hanging out I mean, that's a, that's a question a kid would ask, isn't it? What's he doing? Well, I mean, he created the universe and, you know, uh, you know things happen and, and, and Jesus and he's, he's, he's coming back someday. That'd be a reasonable answer. But then the kid might say, but what's he doing all the time in between? Kids ask questions, don't they? Right? Good, good thing for us is we don't have to figure it all out. Is it good to think about? Yeah, it's good to it's good to debate about, it's good to go to the scriptures and argue over what, you know, what is God all, all of that. But we don't have to figure it all out, especially today. Amen. We don't have to figure it all, we don't have to have all the answers. Thankfully, we have a compilation of books known as the Bible that we can run to and read and study. And it seems like there are a number of people that the narrative was written about or written by that seem to have some kind of connection with God, like their experiences, their interactions with Him. Um, I mean... Stories about preachers, prophets, prostitutes, pragmatic personalities, and, and all the different things. And these writings are here for us so that we can see God's created order and how He works everything and, and the redemption and the restoration and all that. And one of those characters you know hopefully very well. One of those characters, we, we know him as King David, that this man had a, it seemed like a compulsive habit to journal everything he did. Like in the cave, the Saul cave thing, pull back, he wrote about it. Whenever he was in fear for his life by other countries or in fear for the nation of Israel it's like he just compulsed by the way if y'all want to give a great gift to your kids and to your grandkids write down your experiences in life and your true feelings you say well man I don't want them knowing my true feelings your kids and your grandkids are going to struggle someday with things how many of us know that they need to know that they are not alone how many of us adults we struggle so much in life because we don't know the struggles our parents went through. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. But David, he wrote, he wrote down, seemed like everything, but he didn't just write it down. He wrote them. He, he was a songwriter. And he would, he would pull off the side and he would put every kind of cobble everything together and then order it in a song we know as in the Bible. You know the book? Psalms or 
songs. And one of these psalms is Psalm 68, and it's where we're going to read this morning. In Psalm 68, in verse number 19, I'll give you just a moment. In Psalm 68, verse number 19, The psalm says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. And how many of you you see in your Scripture it says Selah or Selah over there? That means just pause, meditate, think about that a little while. Then he goes to verse number 20. Our God is a God of what? Salvation. And to God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death. The first two, do you see in verse number 20, the first two gods? Do you see that there? In verse number 20, it says, our God is a God. That word is the word El. And that stood for like any other, any God. Strong man, God, little g God. But David is saying, our God is a God. Because there's no, it's, it's no mystery. It's no secret. There were many gods in this time. Or I'd say many gods that other cultures worshipped. Let's put it that way. But he said, no, our God is a God of what? Salvation and to God. Do you see how that's worded different right there? Or it's caps? You see that? That is the word Jehovah or Jehovah. And that is the name for God. He's like, okay, there's all these other gods out here that people worship, right? Other gods, right? But he says, our God is a God of what? Salvation. And to God or Jehovah, the Lord, and that is the word Adonai, which is Lord, Master, that sort of thing. Like he can show me where he wants to go and I'll, I'll, he's my master. Belong, do you see that word there? deliverances from what death okay how many of you grew up in some sort of church and you just were raised that way all right um this is going to be very hard for you but for for just a moment i'd like for us to put aside the religious definition of the word saved right so like in in if somebody were to say to you, like, hey, who needs to be saved? We automatically go to religious, spiritual stuff, right? But the word saved means things outside of religion, right? The word saved means to save or stop someone from being killed, injured, or destroyed. If, imagine, I put you in this scenario. Imagine you are, you are, you're on the beach, right? Any beach people in here? You like going to the beach? You like the water? Anybody not beach people like you prefer mountains over beach? Um, so imagine you're on the beach and imagine you're, you're heading out into the ocean on your little, uh, 
what, boogie board or whatever? Imagine you're headed out into the ocean and, and you're just you're getting out there and you're like, man, I'm gonna do this, right? And you're getting out there and and you're getting ready to to ride some waves, but you're about, let's say, a hundred yards, maybe a hundred and fifty yards out, and the surf is kicking up more than you thought. The winds are starting to blow a little bit, and you weren't prepared for that. The waves are starting to build. And your friends or your family, they're up on the beach, but they're not really paying much attention to you. There's something that you forgot to tell your family or your friends. And that is, oh, by the way, I'm going to go out here and ride this, but I can't swim. And, and you know, as surf does, if the winds are increasing, it gets really choppy. And imagine this, you fall off of the little board. You forgot to attach it on your little wrist or your ankle. You forgot to do that. Well, then you begin thrashing all around like you would do if you can't swim. Right? And you, you're nowhere near touching bottom. Has anybody ever been in a predicament like that before? And man, you're thrashing around and you're beginning to take on water in your lungs. And your family, your friends, they're like 150 yards away. Like, I mean, maybe they could make it to you, but you just didn't, you know, anybody ever got in a situation you didn't really think about it before you got into it, right? Nobody ever done that before? Okay. You're, you're thrashing. Man, you're starting to take on water in your lungs and you know, because you can't touch bottom, you are sinking and you are taking on more water. And man, you know how, how something like that happens? You, you, you begin to have all this adrenaline run through your veins and you're just, I mean, you're, you're, you're starting to, to uh, lose it a little bit, right? Well, imagine you're going down and you're taking on more water and you begin to have the realization in that moment this, this is it. Like as you're sinking down and as you are not able to breathe, you start to notice your consciousness is starting to flicker. And you're starting to head out. And in that moment, nothing else seems to matter. Like your finances don't matter. What somebody at work thought about you doesn't matter. You getting cussed out by your boss, does it matter? Do any of those things matter at this point when you were looking at the fact that your life is being taken from you as we speak? And imagine you're going down and maybe you're having one of those um, experiences near death or maybe you're having one of those and you're starting to see things and you get this sense that this is, this is it. Well, imagine in the last couple of flickers of your, of your soul or your mind being conscious, you're fading away, but then you feel something. And you feel a strong arm grab onto your forearm and you feel something, you don't know what it is because you're drifting out and you've taken on so much water. But the next thing you know, you know that you're dazed and confused and then 
you feel that your body is on uh, the sand and you're feeling compressions on your chest. And then before you know it, you violently cough up water and you begin to come back to. How do you feel in that moment if that's you? How do you feel knowing that you were headed out of this world and yet at the last second someone scooped in, swooped in, and the word is saved you? Are we getting the picture? Have you ever read, um, I guess it's Romans um, Romans 6.23. You ever read that before? It says, for the wages of sin is death. You ever heard that before? Have you ever read the verses before that? I want you to look at this real quick with me. Romans 6, in verse number 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Have y'all ever read that? I mean, that's, that's some deep stuff. Go back to verse number 20. For when you were slaves to sin, you were what in regard to righteousness? You can just do what you want. You were free... You were, you were sold under the bondage of sin. You could not get victory. It seemed like every time you tried to work and do the right thing, it just sucked you back in and you were slaves to it. So in other words, it's like you just were living your life. And yes, it wasn't a great life, but you were just living your life. But then Paul asked the question, how did that affect you? Like this, the fruit that you pulled off of that tree and you ate, was it good? Was it sweet? Or was it full of regret and rottenness? By the way, that has been all of us. Here in church, we can, hey, how are you doing? Hey, brother, sister, hey, 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 oh, yeah. But do you know you? Have you ever watched yourself do something you knew at the time you shouldn't do? That's a weird experience. It's like you enter into something and you know the Spirit of God is saying, don't! Don't do that! And yet, what do we do? Pull the cap off, press the override button, and we just do it anyway. Whether it's anger, or rage, or lust, or jealousy, or gossip, or gluttony, or drunkenness, or whatever the case may be. How many of us have experience with something like that? And we just go right off into it, and then afterward, how do you feel? Yeah, guilt, guilty is a good word. Ashamed, right? So let me ask you. This is all of us, it's me and you. Was that an awesome time in your life? Do you look back and say, man, I just love the days that I woke up with a stupid hangover. 
Man, I loved it. Oh, I just rejoice in the fact my head hurt so bad and I couldn't remember like half of anything. Man, that was just amazing. Oh, I rejoice in that experience. Is that how you feel? Right? Is it sweet fruit or is it rotten fruit? It's rotten. Let's look in verse number 22. But now that you have been set what? Free from what? Sin and have become... Wait. Y'all see that? How many of you got kind of the, um, the Rock Dwayne Johnson eyebrow thing going on? Can you smell? Okay. The fruit that you get leads to what? And it's end, and what's the end? <sighs> Did you read that? But now that you have been set free and have become, in other words, slaves of God sounds like a harsh term, isn't it? But it simply means God is now my boss. God is now my master. Me and Him are yoked together and we are going along and the fruit that I get now is not a fruit that is getting worse and more rotten, but I am getting better. For those of you that have been saved and you have been baptized over the last, let's say, a year or two, my friend, my brother, or my sister, you are, you are set free from the sin that kept you in bondage. And that rotten fruit that you partook of so long, you are free from taking that anymore. You don't have to. That's not who you are. The fruit that you get to take of is sanctification. You say, oh, but, but wait a second, Josh. I'm going to tell you this. I know I'm a Christian, and I know last night I sinned. I know I did. My friend, all of us who are saved, we have this ugly battle. And do you know what the battle is? It's between flesh and spirit. How many of you are living in your flesh right now like you exist every person in here but we are not slaves to that anymore does that make sense the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life now here's the verse for the what wages and by the way what's a wage anybody want to take a stab at that what's a wage a payment? The, um, the biblical definition of the word wage is a soldier's pay or allowance or hire or pay from sin. That sort of thing. So, you get paid from all the sin that we do and that we have done. The wages of sin is what? Death. And this is where, man, whether, whether your sin is just gossip and pride, or it's gluttony, or it's drunkenness and substance abuse, or it's sexual sin, whatever it is, it's all headed one place. Every bit of it. And do you know where it's headed? It's all headed to death and hell. All of it is. What do they say? The road to hell is... what? Uh, how does how's it go? Pave with good intentions. We could step back and say, man, I tell you what, I'm just sincere. 
sincerity does not warrant righteousness. And how many times have we meant to do something good, but because we did it the wrong way, it ended up being a net negative. Right? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of who? God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Is there anything you can do to gain salvation in Christ? Can you give enough? Can you not curse enough? Can you not smoke? Can you not drink and you obtain salvation? There, there are a man. Where what, what's the verse in Romans? Y'all help me. It says, uh, "For all our righteousnesses is filthy rags." What is that one? Anybody know? It's Romans something. <clears throat> I don't remember. Y'all know what I'm talking about though. For our righteousness, like you, you could come to God and say, oh, "I'll tell you what, God. I tell you what. I have never gotten drunk like those other people." I have never, I have never even smoked a cigarette like those other people. I have never gotten high on drugs like those other people. I have never done this and I have never done that. But have you ever been prideful? Well, I'll tell you what, Josh, I've never been strung out on the street with a band on my arm. But have you ever lusted in the darkness of your heart and the darkness of a dark room? Ah, I tell you what, I'm I'm not. That, that brings to mind that story of the Pharisee looking at, looking at the man down here and saying, I thank God I'm not like those other... I thank God I'm not like that, this guy. I've paid tithes and I've done this and I've done that. All of our righteousness is literally a pus-filled, dirty, nasty rag. In other words, it's worth nothing in regards to justification in Christ. Um, I want to ask you about a financial term, bankruptcy. I'm not going to ask y'all. Um, I'm not going to ask you how many of you have, have, have had to do this. What does it mean for someone to declare bankruptcy? Let me know. Nobody? Unable to pay back? It's like... Is is bankruptcy is is bankruptcy just a little broke, like you know you ain't got five dollars to buy, uh, you know something the vending machine, is that bankruptcy? Hey man, let me borrow five bucks. As far as financially, where is bankruptcy? Is it is it kind of mid grade? Is it high or is it like? If you have to declare bankruptcy, what are you basically saying to your creditors? I ain't paying nothing. Like, I, I don't have anything. Like, I have declared bankruptcy. I know it's going to shoot my credit for a long time. But I'm telling you, I am, I'm, in, I'm in such deep water. I, I have nothing that I can give. Nothing. I am so broke. I think that principle of bankruptcy is where, is, is, the principle we find in Matthew uh, 5. Anybody know the Beatitudes? Blessed are the... Da, 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 da. I want to show you a couple things. Matthew 5. Look at here. Matthew 5 and verse number 3. Blessed are the what? Poor 
But does it say blessed are the poor? Or does it say something in addition to that? The poor in spirit. Well, what does that mean? The poor in spirit. It also says in verse number 4, blessed are those who what? Mourn. What is mourning? Sorrow. Do y'all think this is just kind of abstract? Like, oh man, if you're poor, if you have a bad attitude, you know, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Or man, if you feel sad, God will comfort you. Do you think that's what this means? I don't think so. I think Jesus is describing here in Matthew chapter number 5, you'll be blessed or you'll be happy or you'll be at peace with shalom if you are, and I think he's talking spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Imagine, imagine you are homeless. Imagine you are genuinely down and impoverished. Imagine you haven't eaten in three days. Your ribs are showing. You are hungry. You're wandering the streets with a cart. You've got odd and ends and people's boots and you've got all sorts of things in that little basket. Collect some metal along the way. But you're down on your luck. And you're so hungry, like your stomach is just eating itself. Imagine you're walking along the way and a good-hearted Samaritan, a good, a good stranger, you know, they see you walking along and they notice that you're down on your luck and that you look like you probably could use a meal. And let's say they see you and they say, man, you know what? And you don't know this at the time, but they see you and they, they run to a fast food restaurant. Let's say the illustrious uh, Golden Arch place. You know, that fine dining. And they go get you a number one. You know, I forget what, what number one is. Is it just cheeseburgers? I can't remember. Is it a Big Mac? Oh man, I'm sorry, I'll let y'all down. I should know that. Fine dining as that is. So imagine they whip around and they go get them a number one with a Coke and fries. Right? And they come back around to you and they drive up beside you and you didn't know it. I mean, you're just kind of walking along the way and they roll their window down and they stick the bag out and they don't mean any ill will. Actually, they, they're very charitable. And they stick the bag out the window and say, hey, man, um, it looks like you need a little help, brother. Can I be a blessing to you? This is an ice cold Coke and this is a hot, hot meal. If you are genuinely impoverished, what do you do? Do you take it? Or... Do you say something like this? Do you take it and then open the bag and say, Ew, there's pickles on that. <laughs> there's, you got mustard too? Excuse me, sir, I'd love to take this from you, but could you, could you just run back and get it right? And then I'll take it? Is that... What somebody who hasn't eaten in three days does? What is somebody who has eat, not eaten in three days, when presented with a hot meal, what do they do? 
Man, they take that thing and they rip it open, man. Because they're thinking they're not going to eat again today. So they take food and man, they put that in their belly and it satisfies them. Blessed are the poor in spirit is talking about those who realize how bankrupt spiritually they are. How in the world can someone attend church for 40 years? They hear about Jesus every week. They hear about God every week. How can someone hear about God and Jesus every week, have a Bible sitting on their shelf, have a Bible sitting on the dashboard of their car, and yet grow cranky and crusty and get offended about everything? How can that even happen? Let me tell you why. It's because those people, and I have been that person before, mind you, we forget where we came from. We're on this way, and before you know it, you know we've stopped doing all the really bad things that we, that we used to do, that we used to be slaves to, and man, we're going along the way maybe three or four or five or ten years, and man, the guy that used to be like the Josh that used to be, I'm so far removed from him, I almost look down on him now like, good grief, man. I'm not even. And then I look down on anybody else that's like that too. That's how you get that way. When we realize where we came from and how broke we are. Like none of us get to say, I'll tell you what, God... I sure am a I sure am an amazing a Christian. <laughs> God, I'm just I'm, I bet you're glad you got me. <laughs> Man, if I talk to anybody, one of those uh lesser people, <laughs> they are they should just be glad that I'm speaking to them because after all, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> You know what that attitude sounds a lot like? The Pharisees. None of us would probably ever say that. But that's sometimes where we get. I think it was C.S. Lewis talked about the... Ah, I shouldn't even mention it because I'm going to mess the principle up. He talked about the animal self. I think it was mere Christianity. And then maybe the higher self. I can't remember. But it's like those people who struggle with you know, all the base things, the base needs that they have in their body and their life. It's like once people stop doing that, then they look down on those people now because we're so far removed from that now. But friend, let me ask you something. What is God in the business of doing? We asked earlier, like, who is God? What does He do? David here, in Psalm 68, I think David, that word Selah, you remember we looked at that a minute ago? When he said that, I think David was so, he had been writing all this down and he had been praising God like, man, you do this and God, you do this and you give rains in the off season and man, you give this and God, you do this and God, you're just so, oh God, and you, even when I messed up, God, you saved me and wow, God, you're, God, you are a God. And it's like there's a, there's a buildup. 
And he finally just says, God, it's, God is not like the other gods that people worship. Our God is a God of salvation. He is in the business of saving. God is like God exists. The I am that God told Moses. Do you remember that interaction? Um, okay, let me get this straight. God, do you want me? You want me to go back to Israel? To, to, okay, you want me to go back to the nation of Israel who's in bondage in Egypt? And you want me to tell them, let my people go? You want me to walk in there and just say, God sent me. Like they're going to tear me limb from limb. They're going to be like, you're crazy. God didn't talk to you. Especially if I go on about this burning bush stuff, like they're going to be thinking other things about my extracurricular practices, right? Yeah, man, I saw God in this bush and it was burning. It was on fire. And I heard this voice come out. Like, I mean, let's be honest. What would you think? Okay, God, all right, who do I tell them sent me? Who? Who are you? And God says, I am. I am what? I am sent you. But I am what? No, no, you don't understand. I am exists before after, during, and in all time. But what do you do? I'm in the business of delivering and saving and rescuing. In Psalm 68, when David exclaims, God is a God of salvation. He delivers from death. Like how much farther do you go than death? Like, I know what we say, man, there are, there are fates worse than death. And maybe you can think of a couple. But like, as far as finality and end, is there anything? Like, as far as in this bodily life, is there anything past that? I know eternal life, right? But like, as far as physically, it stops there, right? The physical life stops there. And our God delivers from death for the month of March. That's what this series is all about. Our God is a God who rescues and saves. Not like Superman. Right? So you picture Superman. Anybody know who Superman is? What's his alter ego? Clark Kent. Right? Well, Clark Kent looks like a big old nerd every day, but underneath those clothes, what's he wearing? That really tight suit. that most of us, you know, would, let's just say we wouldn't look like Superman. Is that fair? I don't want to insult anybody today. Ah, my eyes! <laughs> Superman's alter ego is Clark Kent. Like, that's the person he's pretending to be. But when Superman is needed, what does he do? In the old comics and the old shows, where would he run? Telephone booth! Those don't exist anymore. And he would pull off the outer garment and then, shoo, like a bird, like a plane. Jesus did not come like a superman. He came as a man. And he put on flesh and blood just like me and you. That's what's different from God, from Christ, 
and all the other mythological stories that we know is that Jesus came just like me and you. He, he lived life just like me and you. The Bible even says He was tempted like me and you, but yet never sinned. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who rescues. So let me ask you, are you in need of saving? I'm going to ask you some real talk. How many of us are struggling with some kind of bondage from sin right now? And we're just, we feel like our hands are shackled, like we're enslaved to that. And we can't break free. My friend, here's what you have to remind yourself. Your identity is not in that sin. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. You say, well, man, I wish you could just snap your fingers and break it. I think it's Romans that says, be not conformed. Yeah, it is Romans. 12? Yeah. And be not conformed or formed around this world, but be ye what? Transformed or allow yourself to be changed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Friend, if you have other people in your life that know Jesus, I'm glad. But they can't change you. If you have books that you're reading, that's great, but those books can't change you. If you have some good habits and practices, that's great, but those things can't change you. The renewing of your mind in Jesus Christ change you. You can't come to church and say, well, man, I, I went to church last week and I've, I've gone to church two weeks in a row and I'm still struggling. It is a daily thing for you, brother and sister. If you're not renewing your mind, you are, you are at the mercy of the enemy. So please walk with him. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person. And um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you would, kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, For Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.